0: My guest is John Prisco. He's the CEO of uh, Quantum XC or Quantum Exchange. So John, thanks for coming, how are you doing?
1: Very well, thanks.
0: Yeah, um, so tell me a little bit about uh, Quantum Exchange. It, it, you know, it looks like based on the news that uh, you were able to achieve uh, essentially a, a quantum connection or a an unhackable uh, communication line. But uh, tell me a little bit more first about the company and then we'll talk about uh, the achievement.
1: I'd Be happy to. So uh, quantum exchange is a quantum communications network, and uh, it uses quantum key distribution to secure the channel. Basically, what we're doing is sending uh, optical keys across dark fiber optics, and those keys are uh, almost impossible to hack because they um, will change their state if somebody tries to eavesdrop on them. And that is a, uh, a property of physics. So you know, unlike uh, current cryptography, which relies on it being very difficult to factor large numbers into prime numbers, uh, this is relying upon a, a law of physics and um, will be impervious to the coming quantum computers.
0: Well, when you say a law of physics, is this, what is this, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle? Um... It it, is. Can you explain in layman's terms how how this works?
1: Sure. It it just means that if you are trying to observe, for example, a photon, which is the particle description of light, uh, if you try to observe that photon, the mere uh, attempt at observing it uh, will either change its momentum or its location. And uh, for a quantum key, that means it's going to change uh, one of the states that you're relying on uh, to create the quantum key. So it, it's, uh, you know, essentially a uh, a self-correcting uh, key. So if anybody tries to intercept it, whatever they intercept will no longer be the key, and it will no longer work to decrypt the data.
0: Well, how does the um, the sender and the recipients uh, you know how is the key created and how is the key shared so that only the recipient can get it? Is there like a some sort of entanglement where you know the, at the outset certain parties are involved in the entanglement and then no others can ever be involved or how does it work?
1: Well, uh, entanglement is one way of doing it, um, and um, that is known as the E91 uh, protocol. We're using uh, BB84 protocol, which uh looks at the phase of the photons. Um, so essentially what you're doing is uh, you're at two distant points and the key is never transmitted all at once. So, you know, for example, the way uh, public key cryptography works, uh, you know, you're sending either a public or a private key uh, from point A to point B. And if someone is able to intercept your communications, uh, meaning intercept the data plus the key, uh, they'll be able to decrypt the, uh, the message. Uh, in this case, you're basically deriving the key uh, a bit at a time. So you're transmitting single photons down an op- optical fiber, and uh, you're agreeing as to whether each photon is a one or a zero, so the key basically appears at points A and B simultaneously. And um you know, some people refer to that, at least in the entanglement world, as teleportation.
0: Is this because the act of observing the photon or characterizing it as what makes it, for instance, like you said, a one or a zero, but its state is it's in two different states or multiple states before the observation?
1: Well, um, it it can be in either a one or a zero state simultaneously but in this case uh when you're transmitting fo- a photon at a time uh if the photon is transmitted correctly uh you'll be able to receive a one or a zero if it's in any way perturbed the the, the uh uh the one or a zero won't won't appear it'll be some random state uh so essentially the key gets between points a and b uh with a guarantee that it hasn't been tampered with because if it has been tampered with it just doesn't it doesn't get there
0: Hmm. so I, i don't know if this is a good analogy but i guess it's like um transporting something that's so fragile that if anyone touches it it'll just it'll break so the only person that could touch it is the recipient the act, in that act of them touching it allows them to receive it. But again, it, it just can't be uh, messed with in the interim.
1: Well, I think that is a good way to uh, to think of it. Hmm.
0: Um, you know, thinking of this scheme is great, but uh, I would bet that, uh, you know, other people are thinking, all right, how can we get around this? Is there any idea in your mind or is that proprietary? Is there any way to, to circumvent this? Or do you think it will be well, the ultimate communication where it's unbreakable? or Well, you know,
1: in in this case, because we're relying on a law of physics, it's essentially un- unbreakable. However, um, there is a finite probability that you could guess, uh, but it's really um it-, it might be easier to win the uh the Powerball lottery. Um because what you'd have to do, for example, when when I'm sending a key, let's say I send a million photons from point A to point B. And I decide that I'm going to keep 100,000 of them, you would have to guess the correct orientation of the other 900,000 photons in order to know for sure that you got my key. So, you know, being able to flip a coin and guess head or tails 900,000 times in in a row correctly is what you'd have to do. Uh, And it's pretty safe to say that uh, it's unlikely that anybody could do that.
0: Well, as computing speeds up though and becomes uh more powerful you know how big is this space of possible answers that could comprise a key and could you um selectively i guess you know for lack of a better word like poke at a communication and maybe disturb a few of the photons out of all of them and you know uh, reduce the the guess space size to a point where you could use computers to figure it out
1: well not really because again the observation is going to change the state so if you do observe or try to observe the the, uh, key uh, it's it's not going to be usable so that won't work but you know the way quantum computers are, are going to break public key cryptography is by being able to do what today would take today's computers a billion billion years to do and that is factor a very, very large number into two prime numbers. And while that's difficult math, it's only difficult because we don't have the compute power to do it today. Uh, but you know, in the next few years, when a quantum computer uh is and not just any quantum computer, it has to be what we call a prime quantum computer or one that is uh fast enough to be able to do this sort of factoring. Once that's available, uh, the key could be broken in a matter of seconds. So, you know, it's just two different things. You know, no matter how much compute power you throw at the law of physics, you're not going to be able to violate that law.
0: But in the transmission of of a message, you know, uh, using photons, I would think there would be an error rate. Is there any error correction needed? And is there an error rate? And how does that factor in?
1: Well, you know, certainly with quantum computers uh, that are measured in terms of qubits, like I think uh, Google reported a 72-qubit quantum computer, there has to be a lot of error correction in that kind of a, a device in order for those to behave as logical qubits. Um, that's not the case here, and and I'll tell you why. So. For example, when you're transmitting a a telecommunications signal or any data down an optical fiber, uh, there is a measure of what's called bit error rate. It's usually, you know, like 10 to the minus 9 per second or 10 to the minus 11, uh, some very, very low error rate. But that's when you're sending a bright laser down an optical fiber. When you're sending single photons down the optical fiber, any of those photons that you tap and it is possible to tap an optical fiber. But any that you tap don't make it to the end. So it's evident that somebody's tampered with it. Um, so bit error rate doesn't really enter into this. You know, it, it's it's either there or it isn't. If you take some of the photons, they don't make it to the other end. So I know you've tampered with them.
0: Oh, so there's not such an error rate that even if I only tampered with 1% of them, that would be enough to tell you that uh, there was outside influence? You know, like, yes. so I was thinking, what if the error it's 2% or 1%, you know, and I yeah. stay below that threshold or add it, you know.
1: No, it, it, yeah. everyone that you tamper with, I'll be able to know. Huh. Even if you tampered with just one photon, I, I'd be able to see
0: that. Hmm. So what, what do you think it's going to look like in actual practice when these kind of communications are available and they're widespread? I mean, I would think that no matter what anyone says, people would try to tamper with them regardless. So I would think that you'd see always the background level of, People poking them and try to figure stuff out. I don't think they would even give up. Yeah. I
1: I do believe that a number of attempts have been made to do this, and um, the equipment has been uh, you know able to withstand these attacks. Um, and uh, you know you hear of side channel attacks and people trying to tap the fiber. Um, so you know it really looks like it will be very difficult. It's not. Uh, impossible. I mean, if you're going to be able to, to guess what the state of the photons are in as they're coming across, but you know, that's only a mathematical uh, non zero probability. Uh, it, it's really, really hard to do this. And um, you know, we don't know of a way, we don't know of a way that it can be broken at the moment.
0: Well, as a certain channel gets used over and over and over, I would think that the uh, the sender and you know, the sender would use. You know, I remember with Morse code, people had a fist. They had a a certain way that they would do Morse code. You know, certain spacing and all that, and speed. And um, do you think something like that might show up with this kind of you know, communication? If I use a channel, you know, ten million times, I would bet that I would tend to use it in a certain way versus how someone else would use it. Maybe there's a signal there.
1: Well, there's something else going on here, and that's uh, quantum random number generators. So you know, uh, keys—the the, the goodness and quality of a of a cryptographic key has to do with the randomness or the entropy
0: generating
1: that key. And right. with QKD systems, uh, we we have quantum random number generators, and again, they work on photonics principles. So you know, it's it's fairly simple to to see how this works. It's uh, again, you know, if you take a beam splitter and shine a light on the beam splitter, half the light goes one way, half the light goes the other way, if it's a 50% beam splitter. Um, mm-hmm. And that's okay when you've got a bright laser beam. That's the way it will work, 50-50. But now let's say I no longer look at the uh, the wave nature of light, but I begin looking at the particle nature of light. So now I'm sending individual photons. And they hit that. beam splitter, and now you know I defy anyone to predict which way the photon's going to go. It'll either go straight through, or it'll be deflected. But because it's now behaving as a particle, you know it's not going to be 50% going through, 50% being deflected. It's going to be truly random, and it's it's really. One of the best sources, if not the best source, of entropy for generating a quantum uh, a cryptographic key. So you know that having having that amount of entropy uh, puts you way ahead of the game to start with. So even if you use the channel, you know a trillion times, uh, you're you're going to have a different a different pattern every time. Mm,
0: okay, very good. Um, so what's what's going to be the implication? How soon will these communication channels be available to companies? And what do you think is going to be the implications and the fallout from this, you know, positive or negative?
1: Sure. Well, you know, certainly quantum computers have a lot of positive uses, you know, in pharmaceuticals and, and all sorts of uh, mathematical optimization problems that are uh, fairly impossible to do today but in the in the case of uh using qkd as the defensive weapon against the quantum computer which is the offensive weapon in this use case um what i what i see happening is people are going to begin adopting quantum keys in their cryptographic strategy now uh, primarily because of the harvesting that's going on by nefarious actors so you know, people are stealing data today. It's pretty easy to do. You know, we, we read about it every week. Um, and then they're holding on to that data because it's really cheap to store data uh, and wait until they have the ability to, um, you know, to factor the, uh, the public key or the private key um, that goes along with that data file. So it's it's not a question of, oh, you know, quantum computers may be five years away or ten years away. By the way, I don't think they're that long uh in that far in the distance. I think they're probably more in the three to five year range. But um but it doesn't matter if, if they're here in three, five, or ten years, because if you have data that has a long shelf life, like medical records, um if i steal those now and i can't read them because i can't break the key i'll hold on to them until i have something that will break that key so you really have to protect yourself today and the best way to do that is with a quantum key do
0: you, um so do you, you see a sea change over the next you know several years of people all migrating over to quantum communi- communications and you know what kind of infrastructure will be needed to do this you know how do you even do this is it with simple well, equipment or is it really highly specialized stuff
1: Well, uh, first of all, the networks are in place. So we bought 800 miles of dark fiber between Boston and Washington, D.C., and we've activated the first 30 kilometers of that network uh, between lower Manhattan and New Jersey for the financial securities market. Um, You know, I believe that the, uh, the quantum key engines that are available uh, have been in use uh, for several years now, and this is no longer a laboratory experiment or a science project. This is now proven technology that is stable. It doesn't you know? It doesn't need to be cooled down to 0.4 degrees Kelvin and have a, a huge vacuum on it, which a lot of this equipment needed. And it also has the ability to be transmitted longer distances. We, we have a trusted node technology that lets us transmit quantum keys, uh, down multiple multiples of a hundred kilometer, uh, along our network. It used to be that you could only send a photon, photon down a fiber, uh, for about a hundred kilometers, but with the ability to reamplify the signal without, uh, causing its change of state. Which is a, uh, you know, requires a lot of intellectual property uh, application. Uh, you are able to transmit these keys longer distances. So, having overcome that problem, having readily available dark fiber throughout the world and certainly throughout the United States, uh, we think that uh, people will begin migrating to this form of protection. And why not? I mean, you know, it, it, it's something that works today and, uh, It is an insurance policy that I don't believe companies can afford to uh, to not um, partake
0: of. Mm. Um, So, at what point do you think there'll be uh, off-the-shelf simple equipment that can do this? You know, maybe even through uh, a smartphone, or is that never going to be possible? I mean, how much of a gap is there between the equipment needed to do it right now and the equipment that we use to just communicate regularly? You know, for instance, smartphone.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I, I never say never, but uh, for now, equipment is readily available to do the network side of this. So, for example, if you were looking at uh, securing a 5G cellular telephone network, uh, you would initially secure the fiber between the, uh, you know, the cell towers. So, so the high density traffic. Uh you know, will there be the ability to receive quantum keys into our cell phone someday? That I can't predict, uh, but you know, I, I never say never. Uh but in fact today there is equipment that is readily deployable. We're deploying it, uh, that can provide this level of protection.
0: Okay. Well very good. So what's the best way for uh interested folks to get in contact and find out more about what you're doing?
1: Well, you know, certainly they can go to our website, which is just quantumxc.com, and uh, you know, pick the phone up and call us. I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it.
0: Okay, um, oh, one one question I wanted to ask—right, uh, are real doozy—but uh, I I don't even know if you can comment on it. But politically, what do you think that this is going to do, or how is it going to affect governments and communications over the next few years?
1: Well, I I think that's really a good question, and and um, you know, we we have experience with. Uh, the provider of our hardware, who in Geneva, Switzerland, was securing uh, the communications for their elections. And, um, you know, that's certainly something that we should consider because any critical communications path can be uh, improved and, and protected uh, if the data being sent over that path is done with uh, quantum key encryption. So, you know, that that's certainly timely with the the fear of foreign interference in elections. And you know, here's a use case that actually did happen and was actually done in Geneva by uh by one of our partners.
0: Okay. Well that's great. Well, I appreciate your, your thoughts on it. So yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh you know listeners now have a way to contact you. So uh, you know, thanks for your good work and it'll be interesting to see how the quantum communications uh you know